Today's Bible reading is taken from Matthew 14, 13 to 36. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men, besides women and children. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountain side by himself to pray. Later that night he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, beginning to sing, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Thanks, Victor, for praying and Elizabeth for reading. And could I invite you to take your Bibles out and open to Matthew chapter 14 as we go through this. But let me pray for us that God will speak to us. Lord, we thank you for sending your son Jesus, the creator of the whole universe. And Lord, help us to see his greatness, that we might not fear anything in this world, but we might look to him and live in worship of him. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's been seven weeks, seven weeks since I haven't been able to see you. We haven't been able to worship in person. I know it's been difficult for many, many people. It's been more difficult for Mary than for me, mostly because she has to stay at home, often alone, all day with two young kids. You can imagine how hard that is. She hasn't seen her mom for over two and some years, and whom she misses very much. And this sense that this pandemic will just keep going is weighing down on us. And I'm sure that many of you are going through the same thing, and some of you much harder things. I know the doctors among us are working really, really long and hard and stressful hours. We know people who are parents who are worried about their children. You know, they're trying to help the kids to their schoolwork and things like that while working at home. Many of us are worried about our parents, uh, our aged parents, that they might catch COVID and something might happen. And some of these worries are not COVID-related, but something that just daily hits us, right? Uh, Worries about our children, their faith, uh, worries about their job and what will happen, uh, our health. And one person told me uh, that there has been sort of this relationship um, breakdown, and she gets up each morning and tells me that, that, that it feels like a battle, battle each Day. Well, we picked up uh, on the, uh, from the, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew where we left off last year. And in some ways, the message in this section is fairly simple. It's something that we all know, that Jesus is our God King. Jesus is our God King. And it tells us how we should respond to him. Thus, the series titles, The King and I. King and I. But it's a familiar message, but it's a message one, a me- it's a message, especially at this time, an important message. Important message. Yeah. Important message because knowing Jesus as our God King right now is fundamental to surviving in this world, even thriving in this world. And if we see Jesus rightly, if we see Jesus rightly and trust him rightly, we might, um, we might be able to worship him. Uh, we might be able to keep going and worship him, whatever the circumstances are. So let's try to see who Jesus is in this passage. I still remember this clip um, that we're about to see uh, some 13 years ago and, and feeling so moved um, by it. It was Susan Boyle. Susan Boyle in the third season of Great Britain's Got Talent. Um, I could describe it to you, but let's watch uh, just a minute of it. Okay, what's the dream? I'm trying to be a professional singer. And why hasn't it worked out so far, Susan? I've never been given the chance before, but he's hoping it'll change. Okay, and who would you like to be as successful as? Elaine Page. Elaine Page. What are you going to sing tonight? I'm going to sing I Dreamed a Dream from the Miserables. Okay, big song. (laughs) Yeah? Yes. Thank you. 
You didn't expect that, did you? <laughs> the whole thing is actually worth watching. It just moves you, actually. At the end, everybody gets up and, and gives her a standing ovation. It seemed just so unlikely. But when she starts singing, it's like she has a superpower that no one expected her to have. In a way, and much, much more than that, I think that's kind of what being with Jesus must have been like. Again and again, this man who was called the son of Mary, a brother of, uh, of, of James, shows himself again and again to be much, much more than that. In our text, receiving the news of uh, uh, his cousin's death, he wants to withdraw, he wants to be alone, but people follow him, and so he heals um, the sick among them. But then, it's as if he starts to sing. (laughs) He starts showing who he is. And you've heard the story, this famous story. You know, the dusk uh, was coming, uh, the evening came, the disciples wanted to dis- dismiss the crowds back home so they could have something to eat. But instead, Jesus sat them down, verse 17. He prayed and he instructed his people to give what uh, he had, what they had to the people. And they did, and the food multiplied. Matthew tells us in verse 21 that there were 5,000 men um, present. There are many women and children too, so it must have been at least 10, 12, 15,000, who knows. It was thousands of people, and the feeding was miraculous. Some liberal writers say that this was like a, 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 a miracle that moved people's compassion, people's hearts. You know, Jesus shared what he had, and it moved, so moved all the people who were sitting there, and so they also started sharing what they had, and everybody ate and were filled. No, this isn't about people's compassion and Jesus moving on their compassion. It's, it's not like that at all. This is nothing less than a, than a miracle of creation. This is nothing less than God creating food for his people. This is a miracle that looks back to the story in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 16, when God provided manna, manna, food from heaven, and fed everyone for 40 years. In fact, Matthew pictures a similar setting. In verse 15, that word translated as remote place is the same word as desert. It's desert and wilderness. They're sitting in this desert, this wilderness, and Jesus God himself provides food for them. Why? Why does he start to sing? Why does he start to reveal himself like this? Well, why did God do this in back in chapter 16 of Exodus? Well, it was so that they would know that Yahweh God is their God. And of course, this is the same reason why Jesus does this miracle. So that people would come to know Jesus as Yahweh God, God who came to provide for them. And there's so much more. This is also a fulfillment of the Messianic prophecy, Messianic uh, feast, a banquet. 
uh, about 600 years before prophet Isaiah prophesied this, that when the Messiah comes, that there would be this great banquet of abundance, how everybody will be fed. This is just one example of it. Isaiah 25, 6. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all people, a banquet of aged wine, the best meats and best, uh, finest of wines. Remember, don't think of this as a picnic on the seaside. Don't think of it as just eating a morsel of food. It wasn't like this, right? They had a banquet, and Jesus prepared them for a banquet. Verse 19 Actually, it says they sat down. They, he, he sat them down, but, but that's not the best translation. Uh, once again, I, I need to go. This is actually literally, it's to recline. It's to lie down. Just the way that they did, disciples did in the Passover feast. They lied down. They reclined and ate. This is how the Jewish people had, had feasts. They had banquets. They lied down and they had their fill. And verse 20 tells us, that once again, this wasn't just a little morsel of food, that all people ate and all were satisfied. They were so satisfied that when they picked up the pieces, they had 12 baskets of food. They had more food at the end of this meal than they had beginning. You see, this is a fulfillment of this prophecy that the Messiah would come and, and, and that a, a feast would be provided for them. Uh, Matthew doesn't record this, but in John chapter 6, the crowd recognizes who Jesus is through this miracle. They recognize him as their king, so that they want to uh, force Jesus uh, to be their king. Chapter 6, John six fifteen. Jesus is Yahweh God, the promised Messiah to come. And we see more, more of Jesus singing in the next story too. When Jesus comes to the troubled uh, disciples by walking on water. <laughs> you know, if they weren't scared of the waves then, well, they're certainly scared of Jesus <laughs> coming um, to them. They cry out, verse 26, it's a ghost. Once again, the point is, they still don't get it. They still don't recognize him. So Jesus tells them who he is. Verse 27, take courage. It is I don't be afraid. It is I. Don't be afraid. You might know that little phrase, egoimi, is how Yahweh is translated. It is I am. I am. Yahweh God has come. Jesus is claiming to be God once again here. And they should have seen it. Right? It was Yahweh God, God who hovered over the chaos of the waters in the creation story. In Job 9, uh, verse 8, Job says it's God, Yahweh God, who can only, who stretched out the heavens and who walks on water. It's Yahweh God who split the, the Red Sea open so that people uh, could walk on dry land. And here, Jesus, Yahweh God himself, walks on water and invites Peter to walk on it as well. He's nothing less than God himself. That's what this, these stories are about, who Jesus is. Friends, I hope you know Jesus to be this great God. God who will surprise you again and again with his greatness and love and grace and peace. Um, last week, Niels talked about how uh, those who thought they knew Jesus missed out on Jesus. They ended up not knowing who he is because they thought, they assumed that they knew everything 
about Jesus. And I once again want to echo this and go, look, there are lots of ICS students in our church. There are lots of lifelong Christians. There are lots of people who actually read the Bible a couple of times, three times, four times, or whatever. And we think, wow, we know Jesus. We know the Bible. We know God. Friends, don't assume that you know God, right? Because God is even more than like a diamond, right? With so many different facets, with different lighting, uh, different angle. He looks different. And you see the depth and different colors and different characters shining out. Lent is about to start in two weeks' time on Wednesday. Could I invite you to read the Bible, to see who God is, not just for five minutes or ten minutes, but can we devote half an hour? Can you devote an hour? Can we commit to reading God's Word and to see, find out who God is? Let's do this. Let's read the Bible together and, and see the greatness of God. Let's ask God again and again what God is doing in this world, what He's doing right now, what He's teaching us right now, and let's be surprised at the greatness of God. I think if we do this, we will, it'll be a lifetime of Susan Boyle moments when we'll be blown again, again, by God's greatness, His beauty, His goodness, His grace, His justice and mercy and holiness. Could I invite you to um, not take God for granted and to continue to seek Him and see Him rightly? But at this point in Jesus' life, in the disciples' story, the 12 hand-picked disciples, well, they still don't recognize Jesus. And what we see here in these stories, though, is not just God further revealing himself, but Jesus training, helping the disciples to grow in their faith. I mean, isn't it striking what Jesus tells the disciples when they came to ask him to dismiss the crowd? Right? They came, uh, it's, it's the evening, and so they came to dismiss the crowd, and Jesus doesn't say to them, no, 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 look, look, take a look at what I am about to do. You'll be blown away. That's not what he does. He involves them. He says, wait, wait, um, you, verse 16, you give them something to do. Really? That's impossible, Jesus. Verse 17, we have here only five loaves of fi- uh, bread and two fish. Jesus then took what they got, he prayed, he gave it back to them, and he says to them, you go out and start handing these out. What would you have done? Uh, Jesus, okay, (laughs) I'll start doing this. But because they went out with the amount of food that they knew were inadequate to feed the thousands and thousands of people, only because they, had, they took the baskets and they went out and started handing the food out. They experienced this basket keep on being refilled with more bread and more fish. They experienced God's miraculous power because they obeyed Jesus' call, because Jesus invited them to do this, and they responded by going out and doing it. He does it again in the next story too, right? Jesus made the disciples go ahead of him in verse 22. Surely he knew that the storm was coming. Surely he could have said, don't go out there because there is a storm coming. 
He doesn't do that. And when the storm comes, he could have just once again calmed the storm like he did back in chapter 8. But he doesn't do that. He walks over um, to the, uh, the disciples in the wee hours of the night, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And at this time, for some reason, when Peter blurts out, Lord, tell me to come to you on the water. What does Jesus say? He could have said, no, I'll, I'll get to you. Wait there. That's not what he says. He says, come, come. Isn't this another invitation for Jesus to say, look, uh, you can trust me. You can trust me and you can step out into the water. And Peter's faith is highlighted here. I mean, he had enough faith to get him out of the boat. I mean, would you have done that? This is a raging storm, and he takes a step on the water, and he starts walking on water like Yahweh God himself. He had enough faith to go out onto the water, (laughs) but not enough faith to keep going. And when he sees the wind, and he fears, and he starts to sink, and Jesus gently rebukes him, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Well, you know, That's not a question that really should be answered because there's no answer to that question. I mean, if they saw who Jesus was, if Peter just once again kept his eyes on who Jesus was, there was no reason to doubt. He could have kept walking. That's often our experience too, isn't it? Our faith doesn't grow on nice sunny afternoon. It grows in midst of storms in the midst of us crying out to God because of some circumstance that's really uh, difficult. Many of you, you have gone through the same thing. Extreme suffering or illness or job loss or whatever. And you look back and say, wow, actually God sustained me there. God was with me there. God was trying to reveal His character, how good He is, and He was inviting me to trust Him. We look back and can see how God was training us to increase our faith, to tell us who He is, that He is God indeed worthy of trusting. Our faith is also strengthened when we obey God's call uh, and and offer our meager uh, uh, things for God's purpose. A church history doesn't remember the brightest and the best but people who are inadequate, people who are not the brightest and the best, but who have responded to God's call. Uh, people like Jackie Pullinger, Amy Carmichael, Corey Ten Boom answered God's calling. They didn't say, oh, I'm not smart enough, I don't, I'm not rich enough, I'm not able enough. But because they answered God's call and went out, they experienced God's great power. They were able to come to know God more and trust Him even more. And that is God's pattern. It's not just few people. What does God do to change the whole world? Well, He called these 12 people, many of all of them, who ran away when Jesus was arrested. What does God do to show the greatness of God's kingdom in Hong Kong? Well, God called you. God called me. People who are distracted, people who are inadequate, people who are unable on our own to do this. And yet God called you to do this, to show the greatness of God's kingdom now to the people in Hong Kong in this circumstance. The church 
in, this, in the midst of this pandemic, let's ask God to increase our faith. Let's ask God to help us not to be overwhelmed by the waves and the wind that's crashing on all of us, uh, but to see the greatness of Jesus, to walk by faith. Let's ask God to see what he's doing in the midst of this pandemic so that we can be part of it, that we can offer the things that we have for God's kingdom, for his purpose. We can ask God what he's doing and try to pay attention as we've heard from Marika this morning. But there are also plenty of things that the Bible tells us what God's will is right now. We can share our faith. In the people who are despairing, people who are having a hard time, let's share our faith, let's share our testimonies, let's share the goodness of the gospel with our neighbors and our friends who are having a difficult time. Let's give up our money, you know, help out the poor. There are many, many people who do need this help right now. Let's make those phone calls and texts to encourage each other in the church, uh, uh, to in- encourage each other in this time of storm. God will use us as we step out in faith and we will come to trust him even more. And the goal of all of this is to know him rightly, to know him as our God King, to trust him more so that we could worship him, worship him no matter the circumstance. When Jesus calmed the storm, back in chapter 8. Do you remember what the disciples said? They still didn't really know who Jesus was. And they trembled in fear. They were terrified and they were asking themselves, what kind of a man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. But this time, they respond differently. What do they do? They fall down. They prostrate and they worship Jesus, saying, truly, Truly, you are the Son of God, verse 33. Friends, this is the goal. The goal of our ministry as a church, uh, the goal of our lives is to bring worship of Jesus. Worship of Jesus in the midst of the storm. Not healing, not wealth, not status, not comfort, not even justice in this whole, whole world. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he doesn't bring the fullness of God's kingdom back then 2,000 years ago, right? He showed us who he is so that we might see him rightly and, and gaze away from the worship of ourselves, worship of these different idols that generate so much sin and brokenness and suffering in this world. Jesus came 2,000 years ago to show us who he is so that we might see him rightly and worship him. And as we worship him, the whole world would see the strength of who Jesus is and also would come to worship him. And that is our mission. That's our goal as a church, to worship him no matter what is going on, to live our lives as an act of worship so that people might see who Jesus is. The pastor theologian A.W. Tozer um, put it this way. The purpose of God in sending his son to die and rise and live and be at the right hand of God the Father was that he might restore to us the missing jewel, the jewel of worship, 
that we might come back and learn to do again that which we were created to do in the first place, worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness, to spend our time in awesome wonder and adoration of God, feeling it and expressing it and letting it get to our labor and doing nothing except as an act of worship to Almighty God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Of course, when we know God and when we worship him this way, there will be that we will be able to see certain measure of healing and 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 peace and justice, uh, reconciliation in this broken world. But um, that's not ultimately that those other things that come are, are, are the fruit. That's not the main goal because there will be a time when all of this will happen. There will be no more suffering and illness, no more COVID, no more unjust people ruling in this world. There will be a time of complete peace and reconciliation. And that day is called the day of the Lord. That day is called the day of judgment. That day will come when Jesus comes back. But until that day comes, Christians. Let's ask God to increase our faith in the midst of all of this, to not be shaken by the waves and the wind and the things that are going on, not be distracted by that, but to see Jesus clearly as who He is, our Messiah, our King, who's come to love us and save us and bring us to Himself. And let's worship Him and let's live our lives, no matter what is happening, uh, as, as a response to that, as an act of worship, as living sacrifice. Well, you might ask, what does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, in, uh, soon enough, in, in chapter 16, we'll see another um, uh, saying just like this, and we'll get into that a little bit more, but let me just highlight just a few things here. First of all, it is just reorientation, right? Reorientation from uh, worshiping of something else to worshiping of Jesus, to putting away our idols, giving away our money, denying ourselves to serve the church and the world, raising our kids um, to succeed spiritually first and foremost. That's what it means to, to do away with these idols. Worshiping Jesus also means not being overwhelmed, by the things of this world, things that are going on, to keep on trusting Jesus, no matter what is happening. And if you sense God's calling you to do something, stepping out in faith and doing it. And actually, you don't have to sense um, Jesus telling you to do something. There are many things, once again, that God has told you to do, told us to do. The church, we should step out in faith and do them now, in the midst of all this that is going on. Well, we should do this, but (laughs) I know me, and I know you. I know that we will also fail, and that we will look at the waves that come. We will feel the power of the wind coming, and we will start uh, losing sight of Jesus and be overwhelmed, and we might sink. And that's okay, friends, when we do. Do what Peter does. Lord, cry out to Jesus and say, Lord, um, sorry, Lord, save me. And because he is our gentle 
king because he is the king who came to save us. When we cry out to him, he will immediately reach out and he will pull us up. And what we'll know is the gentleness and the beauty and love of God a little more. At that time, we'll come to trust him and worship him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are our God, that you are a God who has created the whole universe and who loves us, who has come to save us. Lord, help us to know you, help us to trust you, and help us to worship you with all our life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.